I'm phone there so I know what the time is. For the first time, I said to Lee, I better take my glasses up just in case the words on the page are too small. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, do you know, I have to say, this is probably the first time that I can honestly say I'm excited to stand here. I'm excited because I so know this morning that God's got us, that God's got good things that he wants to speak to each one of you, regardless of what you've come through those doors with this morning. Um, yeah, we have a good God, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been going through this series on um, different names of Jesus. And seeing as we live in a country where we have about five sheep to every one person, um, I thought that it wouldn't be right to go through the whole series without talking at some stage about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, right? <clears throat> um, so quick survey to kick us off. Who in the room this morning, give me a hand if you have ever had a pet lamb? over your lifetime. Yeah, few pet lambs. Okay, what about if you've ever been involved in a lamb and calf club day at school? Yeah, few more of you there. Cool. Okay, how about, um, have you ever visited a sheep farm? No, loads of hands going up there. What about this one? Have you ever watched Country Calendar? Oh yeah, I bet a few of you could sing the theme song to that or something, right? Um, how about ever eaten roast lamb? Oh no, I'm just kidding with that one. <laughs> okay, but I think, um, judging from our highly technical survey, we can safely say that in the room here this morning, we've got some knowledge um, of sheep, right? We know a little bit about sheep. But if you're anything like me, then maybe we know a little bit less about the art and the role of the shepherd. So here goes. Um, I want to say thank you to Christina and the worship team for beautiful worship this morning and also for reading out Psalm 23 earlier. Um, that's going to be one of our key passages this morning along with John chapter 10, um, which I would like to read to you now. This is what I need the glasses for. Alrighty. Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognizes the voice of of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. And when he has brought them out, brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him, for they're familiar with his voice. But they'll run away from strangers and never follow them, because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I'm the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. 
A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. But the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd. Because he has no heart for the sheep, he'll run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. And then the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off and scatters them. I alone am the good shepherd. And I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me. Just as my father knows my heart and I know my father's heart. I am ready to give my life for the sheep. Father God, we want to know more this morning of what it means to have you as our good shepherd. Would you continue to presence yourself and to speak to us this morning in all the deep places that only you can reach? Bless our time together this morning. Amen. Cool. So while Jesus often had deep layers of meaning in the things that he said, there were often connections back to Old Testament prophecies. There were references to things that, um, that often the religious leaders of the time would have understood, although in these verses it says the Pharisees hadn't a clue what he was talking about. But... Um, you know, often there were, there were like deep things that Jesus was getting at. But at the same time, he was all about the everyday. He was all about the everyday person in the crowd. He was all about using everyday imagery, um, relatable things, things that could be seen all around them as, you know, as he moved through the country and spoke to people. Um, and so sheep and shepherds, they, they were a common sight, uh, would have been a common sight when Jesus was, was speaking. And in these verses, we can see four main jobs of a shepherd. A shepherd's job is to know, to lead, to provide for, and to protect their sheep. Sorry, I'm not one of those people that is clever enough to come up with my points having all the same letter, starting, you know, like, so it's easy for you to remember. But um, a shepherd's job was to know, to lead, to provide for, and to protect their sheep. So firstly, to know, um, often in the sheep pen at night time, there was more than one flock. Um, you know, um, shepherds would go out during the day and find pasture and find water for their sheep. And at night time, they would come back, and often they were communal sheep pens that the shepherds would, would meet. And there was a gatekeeper, and the shepherds would bring their flocks into these communal sheep pens. So the first job that a shepherd needed to know was to know which sheep were theirs, right? It wasn't just a head count in the morning. Okay, that's 98, I'll take that lot, you know, that'll do me. No, they, they actually needed to know which sheep were theirs. Um, and John 10 verse 3 says that he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, at Sheep World, all the animals have names, Okay, there's, uh, there's Jenny and Jill, the donkeys. There's Pixie, the cow. There's Jack, the little baby goat. All the alpacas have names. The baby lambs all have names. It's kind of cute. Even some of the chickens and ducks are named. Um, that's fine, but when we're talking about a flock of maybe up to 100 sheep, 
Now, I, I'm not actually sure because I couldn't find much information around sort of numbers of sheep and flock, but I'm basing that on the other parable that Jesus told about the shepherd leaving the 99 to go looking for the one. So maybe they had up to 100 sheep in their flock. And let's face it, sheep look pretty much alike, don't you think? So to be able to call 100 sheep by name, that's impressive. That's not just a few, you know, hand-reared animals that that you've named and and have have a pet name for. That's really impressive. And it's pretty cool, I think, that Jesus states that, that the good shepherd calls his sheep by name. And if we understand that in this picture, we're the sheep, right? So that means that God knows my name. God knows your name. I'm not just a head to be counted into the sheep pen at night time. I'm known by name. Because to be fair, if it was me greeting the sheep in the morning, <laughs> it'd be, morning bro, hey cuz, <laughs> how you doing? Come on, hunt. You know, have you ever done that? Don't look at me blankly. I know you know what I'm talking about. When you meet that person and you just can't remember their name, and so it's, hey, bro, how's it going? Yeah? You know what I mean, right? Well, it matters if we remember someone's name or not. But as important as our names are, we can know someone's name and not really know them, Right? Which is why in verse 14, Jesus makes it really clear. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So no, the shepherd has not just memorized your name this morning. He sees you. He names you. And he knows you. The second job of the shepherd was to lead. And in verse 3 again, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So in Psalm 23 verse 2, it also says, He leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. And in verse 3, he guides me in the right paths. Sheep have this really strong um, follow the leader instinct, whether that's to follow the lead sheep or if it's a person that they know and trust, then they will follow that person. Um, So it's a shepherd's job to lead them in order to fulfill their third role, which is to provide for them. I love Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Did you get that? I have everything I need. It goes on to talk about green pasture, quiet water, and I learned something this week. Sheep are actually really afraid of running water. Because they don't swim very well. Have you ever picked up a woolen jersey that was soaking wet? Yeah, that's why sheep don't swim. So they're scared of water when it's running. And so it's, it's significant that he states, quiet waters, green pasture, quiet waters. Another important part of knowing the sheep was to know their condition. So you know, to look them over. Had they had enough water or were they dehydrated? Were there any wounds or diseases that needed attending to? Were their hooves split or infected? And one job connects to the next. So a shepherd had to know their sheep in order to lead them to the right places, in order to provide for 
the things that they needed to make sure they were getting enough of what they needed. And then lastly, it was a shepherd's job to protect. And you're all familiar with, um, with King David, or who became king, with David as a shepherd boy practicing his skills. Uh, Psalm 23 verse 4 says, your rod and staff protect me. Those were two key um, tools in the shepherd's um, toolkit, but a slingshot was also uh, commonly used among shepherds um, to to keep their sheep safe, to defend them from the wolves or the bears or the predators that came along. Sheep are super vulnerable to predators because they're basically defenseless. When they're scared, they run, right? That's it. And so their only defense is to stay together as a group and to have a good shepherd, okay? Not like the hired help described in John 10, 12 and 13 who abandons the sheep and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. But the sheep, sheep's only defense is to stay together and to have a good shepherd. So know, lead, provide, and protect. Those were the roles of the shepherd. Now here's a thought, kind of an important thought. For each of these functions of the shepherd, as easily as we, as the sheep, can say, Yes, please and thank you. I'm with you, good shepherd. We can just as easily choose to take exception. In order for us to experience Jesus as our good shepherd, we first have to recognize two things. That we have a need and that he's trustworthy. We won't experience Jesus as our shepherd without those two things. We have to know that we need him and we have to know we can trust him. Put another way, there are two things that will keep us from experiencing Jesus as our shepherd and that is our pride and our fear. Let's revisit the shepherd's role and see how that might apply. So the good shepherd's first role is to know his sheep. And the thought of being known, for some of you, might be quite a terrifying thing. Because it begs the question, if I'm fully known, will I be accepted? Will I be loved? I would argue that we can only be fully loved when we're fully known. But for some of us, those shameful things that we don't want anyone to know about, those are real. Those, oh no, if they knew that about me. Mm -mm. Or if they ever found out that. You know, I remember as a young mum, many times losing it with my preschool children. And a friend in my coffee group one day said to me, oh, when things are tough, I sometimes think, what would Sherilyn do? And, And do you know what my internal thought was? Oh, if only you knew. Like, like seriously, if only you knew. Um, and that, but that, that, that shame that comes with that, you know? That, oh my gosh, like, actually, if really she knew, like, there's no way that she'd be looking at me. Um, it might not even, our fears might not even run that deep, actually. You know, because I, I also remember when I first started going out with Lee, I clearly remember thinking, oh, 
I'm, I'm quite a boring person, which I'm totally not, but, you know, I remember thinking, I wonder when he's going to figure that out. Like, you know that fear of being found out, that fear of being exposed. And, and for some of us, that thought, that fear is so terrifying that although we long for connection and intimacy, we actually do this. We keep others at arm's length. We keep the shepherd at arm's length. Or we get really good at wearing our mask. You know that one that communicates, everything is awesome. Yeah, you know that one? Uh, a while ago, I caught up with a friend and, um, and Lee said to me later, oh, how is, how is she doing? And I said, yeah, yeah, she's good. And then I paused and I went, actually, I have no idea how she really is because her tough front is always in place. I don't know how she's doing because that mask is always on and we can get really good at that. The crazy thing is that fear will stop us coming close to the shepherd, but the shepherd already knows us. There's nothing that is a surprise to him. There's nothing hidden from him. So for the shepherd, nothing changes. But get this, it's our willingness to come close that will determine how known and loved we feel. Did you get that? It's our willingness to come close that determines whether we experience his care and his love of us or not. Okay, what about the shepherd's job to lead? Have you ever watched a farmer, and usually a dog or two, rounding up a flock of sheep to move them? And how there's always that one sheep, right? There's always that one that takes off in the other direction. And maybe they're thinking, I don't want to follow. I want to be my own boss. I want to do it my way. Thanks for the top tips, but um, I don't need to listen. I've got this all figured out. And even if I don't, I'll make my own mistakes. Yeah, does that sound familiar to anyone? Pride will stop us from allowing the shepherd to lead. It'll keep Jesus in the back seat, like Kim was talking about a couple of weeks ago, instead of allowing him into that driver's spot. And fear can do that too. Fear can make us run. More often than not, that one sheep that takes off, that's not the one that wants to be his own boss. That's the one that is totally freaking out. You know? Ah, I'm out of here. That's that sheep. Fear will have us questioning whether we can trust the shepherd to lead. Hmm. I'm in unfamiliar territory. Hmm. This path looks different than I expected. Can I really trust him? Does he really love me? You know, most times when a shepherd or a farmer is leading and shifting their sheep, it's in order to do the third thing, to provide for them. It's in order to shift them to better pasture or towards water or for the purpose of checking and dealing with health concerns in some shape or form. But again, this role of provider can be an area of tension. 
if you've never known loving provision, then you might well conclude that you've got to look out for yourself because no one else is going to. I, I can understand how you'd land at that. If you've been lied to or let down by family, by so-called friends, by a teacher or a boss, even a church leader, then you could absolutely come to think that you're better off being self-sufficient and not dependent on anyone. And pride can drive us to prove our abilities, you know, to prove ourselves. I don't need help. I want to acknowledge this morning that where there has been much pain, the shepherd's promise to provide doesn't settle easily. And yet if we can believe it, his provision is the sweetest resting place. Protection is the fourth role of the shepherd. And again, much like with provision, fear will keep us from trusting in another and pride will tell us we don't need anyone else. Fear and pride, the two things that would keep us from experiencing Jesus as the good shepherd. Fear of being exposed, rejected and let down and or pride in our own strength and goodness will distance us from the shepherd. I want to pause for a minute in this reliance on our own goodness thought. Because did you notice that it never talks about the goodness of the sheep? It doesn't talk about good sheep. The sheep are known, led, provided for and protected because their shepherd is good, not because they are. Remember how we talked about the shepherd needing to know the condition of the flock? God knows our condition. In fact, he tells us our condition. He knows we're not enough. It's not a surprise to him that you're not perfect. He knows we're full of screw-ups, bad attitudes, jealousy, self-importance, anger, whatever it is, all those things that the Bible calls sin. He knows us. And hear this, he's not interested in exposing us. He's not interested in shaming us or deserting us or disowning us. He's the friend of sinners, remember? Steph preached a great message on that two weeks ago. If you haven't heard Steph and Kim, you need to listen into that one. He's the good shepherd who sees all of our ugly and who says, I have a solution. I am the solution. John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Romans 3 and 4, is that my time ago enough? No, not yet. Hopefully not yet. No. <laughs> Romans um, 3 and 4, they do a great job of explaining how the good shepherd in laying down his life, made it possible for us, the sinful sheep, to be covered in his righteousness. So I'm going to read from um, verse 23 in the Passion Translation. Verse 
This is Romans chapter 3.23. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favour now cascades over us, all because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment and power of sin. Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. There was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy, and that was to offer up his own son. So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. If you're trusting in your own goodness and just living a decent life, don't. And if you think you'll never be good enough, you're right. But it's okay. Because you have a good shepherd who laid down his life for you. Okay, so Jesus has made a way for us to be part of his flock, to come under his loving care. But I feel like there is, sticking with this theme of animals, there is still an elephant in the room. Because what about when it's not, quiet waters and green pastures. It's not always our reality, right? We read Psalm 23 and we have this sort of, I don't know, sometimes I just have this idyllic picture of, you know, eternal holiday or something. But Psalm 23 verse 4 tells us that there is a valley of death. And in John 10, 10, the thief does come to steal, kill and destroy. So what then, good shepherd? And again, I would suggest that our experience in those times will depend largely on how we position ourselves. So let's take a look. In John 10.10, 10, the thief absolutely comes with the intention to destroy. That's a reality. And in the same verse is a parallel reality. It's it's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't try to supersede that first reality of the thief with a but. I might be confusing you, but I'll try and explain what I mean. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where maybe they give you a compliment, but you just sense that there is a but coming in that sentence? Do you know what I mean? I love your work, but. Yeah? That's a great idea, but. And when that but comes, it's almost like everything that came before that just got cancelled out, yeah? I love your idea, but we're not going to do that, yeah? One cancels out the other. But it's really interesting to me that Jesus doesn't do that here. He doesn't say... Yes, there will be people and circumstances that come against you to destroy you, but don't worry. I'll wave my magic wand and make it all go away. No. He just offers up another reality. So right alongside, he says, it's true. Thieves will come with the intention to steal, kill, and destroy. And right alongside, I have come 
I don't come and go like others. I have come once and for all. And my intention is to bring life. So where will we let our gaze rest, right? Where will we position ourselves when the thieves come? And I think verse 4 and verse 14 both give us a little bit of insight. Verse 4 says, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And verse 14 says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So when we know the voice of the shepherd and we stay close to him and we follow his lead, then the thieves can come and we can still experience life in all its fullness. Here's another way of expressing it. You know how you find what you're looking for? Like when you're convinced of something, you look for evidence to support that thing, right? So when David says in Psalm 23 verse 6, I know that your goodness and love will be with me all my life. He's trained his eyes to see. Here's the truth. When I am convinced that God's goodness and love will be with me all my life, then that's what I'll look for, even though I find myself in a dark valley. That's what I'll look for, his goodness and his love. And that's exactly the thought in verse 4. Even, verse 4 of Psalm 23, that is, even though I walk through the deepest darkness, even then, even there, even in the messy middle, I will not be afraid. My fear won't dictate to me. That's a pretty bold statement, don't you think? And David claims it again in Psalm 4 verse 8 when he says, No matter what happens, I will live unafraid. And that comes just eight verses after he's cried out and said, God, why aren't you answering me when I cry for help? Just eight verses after that, he can finish the psalm with those words. No matter what happens, I will live unafraid. So what can possibly be his secret? (laughs) What can possibly be the secret to living unafraid? I will not be afraid, for you are with me. Can it really be that simple? That our proximity to the good shepherd is the secret to living unafraid. I want to read you Psalm 23 again. I, I just, I want to speak it out and I want to invite you just to listen for the heart of the shepherd. Okay, we've been talking about the roles and the functions of the shepherd. Just listen as I read Psalm 23 and get a sense of the shepherd's heart for you this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for the good of his name. Even when I walk through a very dark valley, 
I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort and protect me. You prepare a feast for me in front of my enemies. You pour oil on my head. You fill my cup to overflowing. I know your goodness and love will be with me all my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. He is 100% trustworthy. You can let go of your fear. You need to control. He invites you to let go of your pride and your self-sufficiency. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who laid down his life for the sheep, for us. And if he went to the cross and provided for our greatest need of all, we can trust him with the rest. I think I've told you guys this story before, but I remember when Lee was made redundant. Riley was four months old. And God asked me one day, do you trust me? And I automatically put a dot, dot, dot on the end of that sentence. Do I trust you to get Lee another job? Yes, God, I know you can do that. And God said, no, it's not what I asked. Do you trust me? So again, slow learner, uh, I said, do I trust you to provide? Yep. I know you're looking after us. There was that 50 bucks that Lee randomly found in a bush last week. True story. Um, and that trolley full of groceries from the neighbor. And God interrupted me. It's not what I asked. Do you trust me? Not what I can do, but me. And this morning, he would say, do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm good? Do you trust that I'll shepherd you? I know you. I know you fully, and yes, I love you fully. I want to lead you, provide for you, and protect you. In John 10 verse 14, he goes so far as to say, I alone am the good shepherd. I am the only one who won't let you down. I am 100% trustworthy. The team is going to come back up and they've got a song that they're going to bless us with um, this morning. But as they do, I would love you to come up for prayer this morning in four specific areas. So, Firstly, if you're someone whose fear is keeping you from experiencing Jesus as your good shepherd, you're struggling to believe that you can trust him, we would love to pray with you this morning. Secondly, if God's been tapping you on the shoulder about your pride and you're ready to say, God, I need you. The greatest need you will ever have is forgiveness and freedom from your sin. 
And if you want to say yes for the first time to the good shepherd who laid down his life for you, who made the way for you, if you want to say, yes, I want to be part of that flock, I want him as my shepherd, my saviour, then don't leave here this morning without letting someone pray for you. And finally, if you're in a dark valley right now and you really need to know the shepherd's presence, you need to know that before you even arrived in this building this morning, there were prayers being offered up in that back room for people who were coming here feeling defeated in whatever area of life. God has gone ahead of you this morning. If that's you and you're walking through a dark valley right now, stick together with the flock. We're here. And you have a good shepherd who wants to minister to you this morning. So these guys are going are gonna to sing, but I would love this front area just to be full or where you are. Get somebody to pray for you where you are. But don't let fear and pride stop you this morning from experiencing Jesus as your good shepherd. And if you've never known him like that, come and know him like that. And if you really need to know him this morning, because your way is dark, then please come on up. We would love to pray for you. Father God, I just um, commit the rest of this time to you this morning as the team sings and as we pray for each other. Would you presence yourself with us as our good shepherd? Would you not let anything get in the way this morning of us experiencing you like that? Would you give each one of us the courage to respond to you in whatever way you have been speaking to us this morning?